Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, a tale of awakening, spiritual communication, healing, miracles, and a guide to intuition and soul presence. And today I am delighted to be talking to Brian Payton Joyner, author of The Wisdom of Stones, an interesting story of a grandson and grandfather, an interracial relationship, and a boy who would be a Southern Baptist preacher but can't pray away the gay. Life (laughs) in all its many nuances and all its joys. Hello, Brian, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Cheryl. I'm excited to be here to talk with you about the book. How, yes, I am too. Brian, how wonderful it would be if we could all learn to live out our life plan and destiny, no matter how different it may be uh, from what many others expect of us. Brian, as you know, right, right. Brian, as you may know, my guests and I share our most intimate experiences and realizations about life in its entirety in both the physical and metaphysical realms of reality and possibility, working with our dual nature of physical and spiritual energy. Hopefully, I feel we may find the truth of who we are, what life is really about, and how to transcend our fears and misunderstanding to ultimately find freedom and joy whatever life brings our way. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Brian Payton Joyner tells the story of being a college senior who promised God he would be a Southern Baptist preacher in return for God sparing his Mima or his grandmother now on <laughs> who yes, who had raised him. And now he's on the cusp of receiving a scholarship to the seminary unless he, he's he's going to lose this scholarship unless he can pray away the gay so the seminary and that life may not be an option for him. Ben's upbringing by his grandmother and grandfather after the death of his mother and his learning of his grandfather's interracial relationship in the 1930s taught him to live by his own rules. Life, we, we will learn, is often influenced by the people and events that shape and mold our perceptions of reality. Learning ultimately what is true for you might not be true for me, which is a great lesson for us all to learn. Brian, I always right. love, yes, that, that is where we, we're hoping to, to go in our understanding of ourself. Brian, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and remember a person, place, value, or goal that may have shown them or others in their life what would be important to them in adulthood, as I truly believe the life plan or destiny of each of us is evident at the very beginning, and we simply must find our way forward following our divine plan. It seems we must really walk the walk. <laughs> Brian, you know, um, you think back. I, I have a few incidents that I read about in the book, but, but please tell us what comes right. to mind. <clears throat> right. Now, the book obviously is a novel, so it's fiction, but it was inspired by a lot of things that happened to me in my childhood, in my life. 
To answer your question, one thing that really had a huge impact on me was religion and the way I was raised. And there was a particular concept that Baptists have called the priesthood of the believer. So really from a very young age, I was taught that each individual has the right to communicate directly with the divine, to read the Bible and understand what it means for himself or herself, and then to decide what's right and wrong. I feel like the church has really gone away from that more recently, but that was a value I was taught at a very young age, and that's this personal connection with the divine and having the individual ability to decide right and wrong for yourself. That ties in very much with the theme and message that you were discussing at the beginning of the show. Yes, absolutely, and and it really warms my heart to hear you express it in over 700 shows I've never heard it that way, and it has been the way through my becoming an intuitive healer and medium and uh, studying religion and philosophy and education that I have found that personal connection and know it to be what every religion seeks and searches for, but they don't express it clearly. You just expressed it clearly. (laughs) Yes, you just expressed it very beautifully and clearly so uh thank you for that and let's go on to let let me just tell our audience something that um in the book and uh you you wrote this um your mother died when you were seven a father uh, your father left the family and uh your grandmother and grandfather became very important to you and also a man preacher dale but I especially like the memory that your grandfather was interested in crystals and arrowheads. And you wrote in the book, uh, you found one, obviously, and you wrote, that looks like a genuine Indian arrowhead. He held it up to the sunlight. I think it's a pink quartz. He had a look in his eyes, a sparkle that I hadn't seen since Mama died. Grandpa and I were always walking around in the woods hunting for rocks, and we was always on the lookout for arrowheads to add to his collection of stones. You want it, I asked. But Mima said, Charlie, give the boy back the arrowhead. You have enough rocks already. It's yours, Grandpa said. But I want you to have it, I said, and I meant it. It was the best stone I'd ever found. I pushed it back into his hand. In return, he wanted to give me something special, and that was the story of a runner, the best base dealer in history. His name was Climax Clinton. (laughs) I love the story because rocks, stones, crystals have healing energies from the earth, and it was a hobby you and, and your grandfather shared. And one day I was given a special stone by my little granddaughter, and I treasure it greatly. So I understand the love and connection there, and uh, that's expressed there. Yeah, was that a book signing yesterday? I'm actually in South Carolina this week, so I'm very much grounded again in the place that was home for me growing up. I went to a book signing yesterday <laughs> for one of my favorite authors, Patty Callahan Henry, who wrote the blurb for my novel, and she was talking about how location holds memories. And when you go to a particular place and you're there, 
And I sort of believe there's energy that sort of exists around in different places, and you can reconnect to that energy. She was saying that when she went to her childhood uh, beach house or whatever, that they, she was there and all this flood of memories came back to her that day and then over the next few days. And for me, the value of a stone or a rock is it's that little concentration of the location, and it's something that you can have that location and looking and carried around everywhere and tap into that energy field, that sense of place that you have that can bring back all those memories and the feelings that you had when you were actually in that place. Uh, I think that's why I would value stones. Yes, absolutely. All right. But, Brian, you you know, uh, very creative people, soulful people, uh, They that's what we're here to do on the earth. We're not here to be stagnant. We're here to create and produce and flow in life. And those of us, I think, have greatest, who have greatest sensitivity or perhaps greater issues dealing with the challenges in our life can have six or seven careers. I've probably had (laughs) seven or eight already. (laughs) And each one offers another way for us to unfold a memory or layer of our soul life. And it's a beautiful gift, actually, to be able to do that. Not everybody does. Some people do stay, re- remain in one place or, or one relationship or, or one job all of their life. And if that's right for them, that's okay. But many of us who are more sensitive, I think, are guided uh, to find lots of different aspects of our uh, spirit and our physical world. So that's what you would you question. just describe. Let me ask you a question on that. Yeah, let me ask you a question on that, if you don't mind. I one, don't. one thing I think is really difficult for people is to, to make this sort of change is that their job, their career, becomes their identity. So when you are presenting yourself for the first time to someone, one of the first five questions probably is, what do you do for a living, right? Mm-hmm. And so someone will say, I am an, an attorney, I am a writer, I am whatever. And and that really defines in that one word, people make all sorts of judgments about you. Well, it's difficult when you, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's, it's, I've thought about that recently. Actually, years ago, I might've defined myself according to my ego, my personality and the expectations of others. And I might have said, well, uh, I, uh, I'm a woman, I'm a teacher, I'm a mother, I'm a, a traveler, I'm a you know, writer. I'm... Now I wouldn't answer that at all because that only discusses the ego or the physical world. Probably now I would say I'm just a burst of energy floating through this <laughs> yeah through floating through this life experiencing and developing greater compassion and love and being very grateful uh, to meet the people and have relationships and experience life always anew it's always a, a new experience and a new opportunity so i was just discussing that with someone the other day how would you describe yourself and it's very different for me now than it was a while, right. a while ago. Point because still, I think when people ask me the question, what do you do? I'm a writer, and I said I wrote this book, and I did another, did a nonfiction work, and people are very intrigued in that, and I present myself as a writer, and that's sort of become now my identity as a, as a person. And I, and I wonder how do you separate what you do from who you are? 
very interesting well, question I'm grappling with right now. You don't have to, really. You really don't have to. You really are all these things. <laughs> you are all and much more. The energy of your soul is so magnificent, and our physical life is so restrictive uh, that we are anything we choose to create and to be. So you can be that and, and so much more without wow. without failing to worry who you're pleasing and when you answer that. You know, for a long time, as I was learning to be an intuitive healer, or not learning exactly, it was always there, but rediscovering and willing to take on the challenges of that kind of lifestyle, I, I would say to people, oh, well, uh, I'm a Reiki practitioner. I help people with their energy. I help people access their soul and know themselves better and I and I am a medium so I receive information to help you know yourself better and it's usually very positive and very uplifting and then I would realize people they they couldn't absorb that it was too much so now I wait for them to ask a question as you just did and probably uh, I don't say so much anymore what I am or who I am, or yeah, I, I, I think guess that's a, I think that's just a great way to look at it in terms of you know you if, if someone asks you what you do that is just a part of yourself and I, I guess just leaving them to ask more questions and get into the fuller conversation is a great way to go about that. Well, so I appreciate your answer on that. Oh, good, thank you. Uh, we will get to. Why did you become an attorney? My husband's an attorney. And what did you... (laughs) And I I thought at one point early on when I was about 17, I might be an attorney because I always felt justice and being fair with people and honorable was something that I wanted uh, to, to be part of. But when I met my husband the first night, I looked at him and I said, you'd be a good attorney. (laughs) <laughs> and years later, he did become an attorney, and I guess I became the healer or <laughs> medium. Right. Well, that was your intuition working in that first meeting with him, I guess, right? Yes, which I was unaware of, of course, <laughs> at that time. So right. uh, what do you like about your profession, and is there anything about being an attorney you don't like? I think it's difficult in terms of what people think of as an attorney versus what attorneys actually do. And you have these grand visions of, of becoming an attorney, getting familiar with the laws, being able to go out and, and help other people and really bring about more justice in the world. One of the, one of the big problems is the way that our system structured is you go through college and you're pre-debt and you go through law school and you're pre-debt. And then when you get out of all that, the job opportunities are nil in the public sector. Like mm. you really can't go directly from law school into working for like the ACLU or I, I, I was a summer associate at Lambda Legal, which is the LGBT sort of legal defense group. And they weren't, they didn't hire anyone right out of law school. You needed to, you need to get trained to be a lawyer by a law firm because ironically law school does not train you to be a lawyer. It doesn't train you to take the bar. I it know. just trains you to be a critical thinker, mm. and you go into a law firm and you get all that training. And then it becomes a somewhat seductive lifestyle because you're all of a sudden making crazy amount of money right out of law school, and you get into this trend of working hard and then getting rewarded with a bonus 
hardy work, they just throw more work at you. And it's very easy to get into this somewhat comfortable pattern where you just work hard and you get paid well and your life sort of develops along those lines. And you may think about doing something differently or different with your life, but it's, it's a high activation energy to leave all of that. Did that to the point where five years passed, ten years Brian, passed. did that happen with you? Did you get comfortable yes, I, and you wanted I to did. stay? I did. I very comfortable and I wanted to stay. And I'd say, fortunately, the universe threw a huge cog in the wheels that were spinning along and I kind of ground to a halt at at one point and I, I, <laughs> I got a, a terrible disease and had to go out for eight months on and do it wasn't cancer, but I, I had to go on like a, essentially a chemotherapy regimen of shots and pills, and I was out for eight months. And it was horrible. But during that time, I for the for the first time, I really had a chance to just focus on myself. And, and one of my friends was a Reiki uh, energy healer, and she came over and worked with me on some energy things. And I think that certainly had a great influence on the healing because I was I was in this trial study, and only I was the only person out of the ten in the study that actually the drugs worked for. So through that whole experience, I came to a realization that maybe I wasn't on the right path. And then I well, ended up you know, I got better and I went. Yeah, Brian, the universe works that way. I tell people all the time when they have an illness or a challenge that it's just a time to reflect and, and rediscover what it is that you're here, what you were born to do. You see, it's not so much about our physical life. It's about our soul life and what we came right. to, to to discover about ourselves. And everything else is just the part of the stage or the play that we're involved in here on, on Earth. But, but, uh, but I want to say, I say to people very often, you don't have anything. Like you had that illness to deal with. And I would say, no, your soul created that for you to discover something else that was valuable. And I believe nothing is random in our life. So the timing of events are very important because perhaps we're going off track and we need to get back and go in a different direction. So you're saying that just then uh, is what happened. But you're still an attorney? No, no. I left my job in August and decided to become a full-time writer. Oh, okay. I had, a, I had a really kind of diff- – I went back and was sort of on the in the rat race again, but then something else, and I had this really dysfunctional situation at work where we had this boss that if you were to read every manual on how to be productive and successful and be a good manager, this person was the complete opposite and created this terrible work environment. Everyone was miserable, and any attempts we had to try and get any resolution on the issue with management was – rebuffed and I was driving into work every day and I felt I was leaving a piece of my soul at that place and I was becoming less and less of who I was and I and I at the beginning in January 2016 I talked to my husband I said look July 4th I'm going to set that date as my independence day from or from this person I didn't know what it was going to be at the time I just set a date gave myself six months and said I'm going to resolve this situation and no longer be in that toxic environment. Good for and you. I, and I, I have, yeah, yeah, I have had that experience too. Absolutely. And uh, one way or another, things change. When you change yourself, when we change our, ourselves, because we can't change anyone else. 
we can't get them to understand how they're right. behaving. Wow. We can only change ourselves <laughs> in a direction. I mean, I used to think I'll just show them the right example and they'll know what I to do. I feel like I've been living been... my entire life not hearing this message. Yeah. I feel like I wish you had told me this message a long time ago. This is probably what I've needed more to hear in my life than anything else. But it I think took... I've spent my whole life trying to change people and not recognizing me too. that I me need too. to do the change. Me right. too. Uh, because you see, intuitively, as sensitive souls, we know what's right. We know what's good from within us, and we know what's kind and honorable. So we want to just give it to them, but their their path their path in life doesn't allow for it. They're not ready for it. They don't choose it, and they also have free will. So I've learned that right. finally, but it, it took me a very very long time and a lot of tears and a lot of sadness and a lot of anger before I was able to balance and master my emotions and uh, right. learn more about myself and my purpose in life and learn to look at people and just say, I wish you well on your path and turn away and right. not engage it any longer. So that's what you're in the right. process of doing, which which will help you greatly. It's helped me greatly. Now tell us something right. of the wisdom of stones and uh, how important were your grandparents in your life? My grandparents were extremely important in my life, and you know, although it, it is fiction, the grandfather in the book was very much inspired by my mother's father. And every Sunday when I was a kid, we'd go to my grandma's house, and she would cook a big Sunday dinner, and, and we would afterwards sit at my grandpa had this recliner, and he'd always sit there after dinner, and the kids we'd just sit on the this rug around his feet. We didn't really have I think there were maybe four channels on TV at that point, and on Sunday all they showed was sermons. So our entertainment was stories that he would tell us. And he had lived a really interesting life. He had been a hobo. He had bootlegged moonshine. He was in the military. Uh, he sort of lied about his age in order to be in uh, World War One. So lots of very interesting stories I learned. A lot of those I adapted to use in the novel. And then some of those I may just mine for other works. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, it's a very interesting story. That your characters are very, very sweet. I I, they have a, they have each of them a uniqueness, something they're they're fighting with themselves because they're just so good. Like what we were just talking about, wanting other people to do the right thing, and so did they, and so. They didn't want to make a mistake. They wanted to be perfect, like all of us think we have to be. But of, of course, right. that that doesn't exist. So, so I found that. But you mentioned early in the show about religion, and uh, you write about when uh, Mima uh, was ready to pass. And I wanted to share this. Uh, you wrote a very lovely passage of her transition, and you wrote this. After he left, Mima pointed to the blinds. Open, please. I cracked them a little, and a beam of light hit across her face. We sat there for a few moments in silence. She began to transform. The pain and worry that had lined her face and deepened her wrinkles seemed to lift. She had this glow about her. Later, she said, Promise me. Get help. 
and then I felt her grip loosen as she took a deep breath. Be a pastor, she said, and then exhaled. I held on to her as I felt her spirit leave her body, and I saw the look on her face. She was smiling joyously, a look I'd never seen before. And I want to say, when you wrote that, you actually captured uh, the passing of a spirit or soul and the energy, because I did hospice work for eight years. So I've been very involved with that. But um, it also makes us more tolerant, understanding this, more accepting of human frailties, um, understanding divine energy, and that God really doesn't even have to forgive us as he loves us as we are, and there's nothing really to forgive. So as a medium in meditation, I only feel the grace and peace and quiet and beautiful messages that I get for people. So in my book I wrote, In the Living Spirit, I addressed this thought and I wrote, Spirit allows us to face challenging situations that our energy, emotions and thoughts bring into our lives and help us to see that our life by observing what is happening and by seeing how to make the best of any situation and through our faith and the surrender of some of our personal needs, we allow the universe and a higher source to help us find new ways to search and remember our already preconceived destiny and life plan. Spirit gives us all the time in this world, in this life and other lives and beyond, to find our greatest means for developing levels of infinite love and healing as evolving compassionate expressions of the divine. So just tell us. Thank thank you very much. And your book uh, exhibits many of these thoughts in a way, in fiction. I do it in nonfiction because what I say is the truth of an experience that I've had or someone has had and uh, please tell us what you want people to take away with them after reading the book well my have a lot of hope for the book I hope that people can see the value and wisdom of elders and that they don't groan when they have a grandparent that tells them the story even if they have heard it for the umpteenth time and they ought to engage with their grandparents and listen and ask questions I hope people realize that you know, being gay is not a choice and is not something that can be cured. I think the main message of the book goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning on this notion of the priesthood of the believers. The hobos have a code, a whole code of ethics, and the first tenet of that code is live life by your own rules. Don't let another person rule you. And I think the main message, the main takeaway I'd like is for people to really understand that you can listen to what others say, but don't let them rule you. Don't let them control you. You need to, to live life by your own rules and be who you're supposed to be. Absolutely. Well said. I want to thank you, Brian Payton Joyner, for sharing an intimate tale of coming of age from a Southern orphaned gay person's life journey and perspective to finding the wonderment of alignment to one's truth and personal power and to find love, success, health, and tolerance in a world of varying, often limited ways to see the whole tapestry of life. To purchase this book, go to 
Brian Peyton Joiner dot com or Amazon dot com. They can also just go to right, they can also just do the wisdom of stones dot com oh. and that'll link directly to my website. Excellent. Excellent. And it's easier to spell than all the Brian Peyton joiners with the I's and the Y's. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In summarizing Thank today's you. episode of Healing from Within, it becomes clearer to us that often we are pursuing the goals and dreams of parents, grandparents, and society, accepting their values and also their fears or prejudices, often judging ourselves or identifying with groups, either religious or regional influences, or according to gender sexual preferences and missing the real promise of life which is to accept ourselves as human beings with a spiritual energy or life force that guides us to find goodness and beauty within and beyond the physical constraints or limits of family nation or gender we are the possibilities of eternal change and evolution and finding what makes us tick what makes us resonate with joy and love is the key to knowing ourselves as both human and divine Brian and I would have you celebrate your earliest life memories family challenges joys and know that nothing was random or unimportant all roads lead to the discovery of our inner wisdom and the stories of soul wisdom courage and pride in life lived purposefully i am cheryl glick host of healing from within and invite you to visit my website to listen to and read about leaders in the fields of science spirituality energy medicine psychology the arts and music and to discuss metaphysical approaches to an improved self and higher consciousness shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.